month we've been from Word First, actually from the Sunday before Word First, um, we've been talking about several things regarding vision. And I, what I want to do this morning is <clears throat> I want to review those and I want to tie all of it together with the understanding of covenant and, and, and understanding why you cannot separate vision and covenant, covenant and vision. You will not have vision in God if you don't understand and you don't embrace the covenant relationship that you have with God. You, you'll not understand vision. Your, your vision will be off. Um, there, there are a lot of people on planet earth that are doing things that seem right but aren't necessarily what God had planned for them. And you say, how can you know? Well, that's what we've been talking about all month, and I'm telling you again today, you can know. But you have to value a couple of things. There's something that has, you have to value, but you have to understand why you have to value that. Number one is, it's found in Ezekiel 20 and verse 20. Um, Ezekiel 20 and 20, and we've read that most of the month, that If you don't value, what, what this says here is, hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you. What is that? That's covenant. That you may know that I am the Lord your God. There's a covenant connection when you value church life. When you understand what it's about. It's not legalistically connecting to church life. It's not out of an obligation in the natural that is a false obligation. It's a connection with God because why? Matthew says, Jesus said that God said, Jesus only gave and said what God said. And God said this, I am building my church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Right? I'm not building my church, like as the pastor of Gates of the City, this isn't my church, okay? I'm the under-shepherd of this, this congregation, but it is a congregation of people that are being built up to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ around the world, right? It's not, it's not this church, okay, that I'm building. He's building His church. And the only way to build the church of Jesus Christ is with people that are discipled by the Word. The second thing that we've talked about in 2 Chronicles 2020 that you have to value. You have to value church life and then what church life is really all about. And, and in this passage, as you just kind of come down toward the end, he said, he said um, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. You'll stand firm when you believe that God is real. It's a good thing to believe that God is real. Everybody say, I believe God is real. Well, so does the devil, right? But to believe his prophets, to believe the spoken word, you will succeed. It's one thing to believe that God is real, another thing to believe in God through what you hear preached. Like I'm sharing something with you today, God wants you to believe in him through what I'm telling you today. He wants you to confirm in your heart that what I'm telling you today is real. There's something about it. He set it up that way. We have scripture and verse, many scripture and verses to support what I'm saying right here. So we've been talking about this all month. Um, <clears throat> in Proverbs 29, and so this supports what I'm talking about regarding these two key elements that have to be functioning in your life. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. I'm going to read this in three different translations. First in the New King James. Where there is no revelation, and, and um, oh, I'm going to read that in a minute. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Now, the casting off restraint is, can, can be kind of confusing, but... Before you come into revelation of the Word, I'm not just talking about walking into a church. I'm talking about walking into an environment where the Word is preached to challenge you on your life. 
Up until that time, you may think you have restraints and maybe you've got basic boundaries, but you really don't because there's nothing that can create boundaries spiritually except the Word of God. And what happens is when you've tasted of the truth and then you begin to cast it off, you, 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 you don't take it serious, you don't take church life serious, you don't take the preaching of the Word serious, you don't believe in the people that are preaching the Word to you. You don't believe in them. They're not perfect, but you've got to believe that what they're teaching is real. And when you do that, what happens is you begin to cast off restraints. You begin to cast off and cast away from you boundaries and protective elements that God has created from His Word to empower you to live a righteous life. I'm not talking about trying to live and operate in false humility and appear like you're doing right, you know, saying one thing and then behind the scenes you're doing something. No, I'm talking about being able to admit, you know what, I'm screwing up. I've messed up. I've done this wrong. But God. And that's what His Word brings to the table. That's what you can't live without. And His Word, His Word is, is not a lot of different things that people think His Word is. Okay? The next translation that I'm reading is out of the message. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Really make some bad decisions. But when they attend to what He reveals, they're most blessed. The Amplified says it like this. Where there is no vision, where there's no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is that man. But he said here, where there's no redemptive revelation of God, there's no vision. And redemptive revelation of God, what it reveals to me are the promises of God that are tied to the covenant that I have with God. I'm going to define what I see covenant as. There's, there's, there's a human covenant, and then there's a God covenant. And, and, and actually, there's a number of different God covenants, and, but there's human covenants and connections and contracts that people enter into that, that people don't take serious. I mean, um, you know, it used to be just in the natural, in a professional sport like football, ba baseball, basketball, something like that. If someone entered into a contract and it was a 10-year contract, you fulfilled that contract or you bled out. Right? And a lot of those contracts were made by a handshake. Today, guy signs a contract for... 50 million to play a game with a round leather ball that you shoot in a hoop that we played in the schoolyard and played in, they didn't pay me anything in high school to play basketball. Man, I mean, they didn't give me a dime. Hmm? I was good, especially when I got mad. I mean, my elbows flew when I got mad. I'd take guys out, and then some of the best players that were playing on the other team didn't finish the game because I took them out. Anyway. But today, you can sign a $50 million contract for 10 years, or actually you can sign a $300 million contract for 10 years. And if you got the right lawyer, you can be out of that contract by the next year if they don't do everything you want them to do. See, true contracts, true covenants, even human contracts, it's, it's bilateral. It's, it's everything you have is mine, everything I have is yours. We're, we're in this thing together. We're working together. You see? But not today. If you don't do everything I want and you don't, you don't cater to me and all my whiny needs, then I'm getting out of this. And that's what people do in marriage today. You know, and that's why a lot of people don't get married today. Because why, why go through all the hassle of getting married 
when, you know, seven, eight, nine years, two years, three years down the road, we don't want to keep this thing together, we're just going to bail. It's because they don't understand the real covenant. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more in a moment. They don't understand the real covenant. And the real covenant comes from the redemptive revelation of God. Now, Psalm 119, 130, just a real short verse, but it says this. The entrance of God's words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. That's why believing in church creates a connection and a covenant with God. Believing in the preached word and doing something with the preached word brings understanding of what? Redemptive revelation of God, which is what? Which is vision, which is connected to what? Covenant, which is what? Connected to the promises of God. That's where vision comes from. Sometimes people want to make so much out of vision and what you have to have concerning vision or what you have to put out there that is truly vision. Some people get so worked up with that kind of stuff, and yet God is the visionary that we have to connect to. He's got the words that create the vision that you and I need. And I'll just say this. Your personal vision is connected to a vision that's higher than you are. And what's that? That's the church. Because God is building the church, but he'll he'll only build the church with people that are disciples of Jesus. You can't have a hundred different ideas in your thinking and be a disciple of Christ. You have to think like he does, and it takes time to see your mind renewed and ideas removed from your thinking that are not of God. But there's another thing that's huge where this is concerned. And it's what we talked about last week. It's about condemnation. Most people are actually accustomed to feeling condemned. And yet, condemnation is not of God. Say that. It's not of God. To be condemned is not of God. That's not God. And yet... The reason people don't really realize it is because they're accustomed to being condemned, feeling bad. Oh, I've done wrong. I'm worthless. Uh, uh, Because of my mistakes, I'm disqualified. (laughs) Because of your mistakes, he came. Hmm? I say it again. Because Because of your and my mistakes, he came and died. He saw us in our mistakes. I don't know how, because when he died, I wasn't even thought about. But he saw me in my mistakes and he died for me. To do what? To empower me to stay in sin. No. To empower me to walk free. Can you say amen? I mean, to empower me to walk free from those things. This verse we read this week also, or or in the last few weeks we've read, it's it's found in Philippians 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, That he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He said being confident, being confident. So you have to develop a confidence that what God has started, he's finishing in you. And if there's some alterations that need to be made, some redirection in the things that you're doing in life, you'll do it because you want to do it for him. See, I'm not going to change what I'm doing because somebody offers me more money. I'm going to change what I'm doing because of what he said. And they may offer me more money. They probably will. They'll probably give you more money. But I'm not doing it just because of the money. I'm doing it because I'm developing a relationship with God, learning to understand who he is and what he really wants for me because he's got my back. He's got my best. He's got my left and my right. Nothing can happen to me because he's with me. He said, if I'm with you, nobody can be against you. No matter what it looks like, how it appears, or anything else, nobody can be against you. Not when God's with me. That's covenant relationship. And you have to understand it. Dang, that hurt. You hit hit one of those buttons right there, you know. Dang. Anyway. So, but we talked about condemnation. I'm getting there. Man, that really hurt. (laughs) 
<laughs> if I'd have missed the button, it'd have been fine. Anyway, I'm get, we're getting to the condemnation, but, but, but I want to read what, what we've talked about since before word first. Our words up here, perfect and complete, and it's found in James 1 and verse 4. But he said, let actually uh, uh, start with verse 2. I don't have that. Okay. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, everybody say knowing. See, because you have to know about the promises, you have to know about covenant, you have to know that what God started in you, He'll bring it to pass. Where does that come from? Believing in church life, believing in the preached word, and doing something with what you hear preached. That's where it comes. Everybody say knowing. Say again, knowing. He said, go back to verse 2, please. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. He didn't say, count the trials joy. He said, count it joy when you find yourself in difficult times. Listen, if you're serving God, there's going to be difficult times. If you're not serving God, there's going to be difficult times. You might as well have God to deal with the difficult times. Count it all joy when, you're, when you fall into trials, not because of the trials. Verse 3, knowing, knowing, knowing that the testing of your faith is producing patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Does God say something he doesn't mean? No. But he, he, he said, this verse is great. But if you leave out the other two verses, and all you do is read this, then you're not aware of what's coming at you. He said, he didn't say if you fall into divers temptations or tough times. He said when you do. Right? So it's not an if, it's a when. But when I do, if I have taken church life serious, and I've taken the preached word serious, and I'm doing something with what I'm hearing... When I encountered those times, he said, count it all joy. Father, I don't know, I, th this situation has come up, I don't understand it, but man, I know you, and I thank you. And your word says this, this, and this, and I thank you for it. And today, Father, I just give you praise. That's how you count it joy in the midst. I'll say it again, that's how you count it joy in the midst of what you have. See, that way, you don't have to blame everybody else. Because I'll just tell you right now, somebody has got to be guilty when things aren't working out in your life. And I'm telling you right now, and I think everybody pretty much agrees, well, no, no, not, no, that's not true. But I know in my world, it's not God. Right? It's either an attack of the enemy or something that I'm blinded to. I'm not receiving. Because he said, he said in that fourth verse, he said, but let patience have its perfect work that you're perfect or mature, developed and complete, lacking in nothing. Developed in what? Developed in what you're hearing from the preached word. I'm just, I, I just tell you today, I've been doing this for a long time. We celebrated in 2019, 30 years of pastoring this church. And I'm just telling you, I've been doing it for a long time. Nothing will replace the preached word. Not reading the word, not studying the word, not Praying, not anything, will, will replace the preached word. Praying is important. Studying is important. Reading is important. But you have to hear the word preached, and you have to believe in those who are preaching the word. That's why church life is so important, because you have to know what's going on. You have to know. You have to be a part of it. You have to be connected. You have to be family. You have to be a part and receiving and embracing the things that you need to make the changes in your life to take you to another level. Amen? So, so we looked at that verse. And then in Romans chapter 8, and I'm, I'm, I'm reviewing just a couple other passages here and I, I want to look at the I want to look at Romans chapter 8 and address the condemnation that I was talking about a moment ago <clears throat> I want to address the condemnation we'll look at two passages here that we looked at last week in in Romans 8 and verse 1 there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit now in 
in the literal, that last part of that, walking according to the flesh but according to the Spirit, is omitted. It's not, it wasn't actually in the, 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 the uh, original uh, writings. But we're going to read on and we're going to see those very words that were included. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did in sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Now now, now hear me when I say this. I don't have time to spend on this, but I'm just going to say this. Jesus accomplished everything, okay? But for what he accomplished to be fulfilled in the earth, it has to come through us. And if we are condemned people, he said, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm just adding it because it was added in verse 4. It was included in verse 4. Who walk not after the flesh, the five physical senses, but after the spirit. What has, how, how does that happen? As you're developed, Right? When a person is developed and, and, and mature, they're perfect and complete, lacking in nothing they're, because they're developed, because they value church, they value the preached word, and they do something with what they hear preached. And as they do something with it, it becomes part of them. And he said, when you have redemptive revelation of God, you are most blessed. Say that, most blessed. Not just blessed, but doubly blessed. When you have the redemptive revelation, when you're not just depending on other people to get it done for you, it's not enough. It is for a season, but sooner or later you have to grow up, right? I mean, I mean, if a, if, if a little baby is in diapers and they're in diapers till one or two or, you know, maybe even sometimes they may wear a diaper, diaper till they're three years old, that's one thing. But if... If they're 18 years old and they're running around with a diaper, that just doesn't cut it. Or am I living in a different world? I mean, it just doesn't cut it for an 18-year-old to be in a diaper, right? You have to come out of it. You have to mature. You have to develop. Same way with the Word of God. It's, it's good. You depend on other people. And we're here to help anybody. We're here to pray. But at the end of the day... It matters what you do with what you hear, but if you don't value church and you don't value the preached word and you don't believe in those who are bringing the word, all of those are backed up in Scripture that we've talked about many times. If you don't value those, then you're not going to develop into an understanding and simplicity of mind what God wants to do in your life for you to, and for you to believe that every time a thought comes because of something I've done wrong, I'm able to cast it down because he's empowered me. You know, and I said this last week, there's nobody in hell, nobody is in hell because they murdered. Adolf Hitler is not in hell because of the atrocities. I mean, I've been to Israel and I've been to to the Holocaust Museum and, and the Children's Holocaust Museum and the atrocities that were resulted, that one man's decisions, I mean, atrocities. I've never seen anything like it. I, I, after a while, I couldn't stay in there because, I mean, I almost felt like I was going to throw up of the things that he did to human life because of their nationality, because they were Jews, because they were God's people, even. But listen to me, listen to me. And if you don't believe this, then you don't know my God. Supposedly, Adolf Hitler was in a bunker for the last 14 hours. He got married in the last 14 hours of his life to a woman that had been his, his mistress for years and years. And in, the, in those last hours of his life, if somebody down in that bunker was born again, and went to him and said, you know what? I know the God of the Bible, and Jesus Christ died for you. And if you'll confess with your mouth and believe that he is the risen Lord, you can be born again and live eternity in heaven. 
Not one person is in hell because they murdered or raped or did any ugly bad thing. People are in hell because they didn't believe in Jesus. But you know what? We're so accustomed to condemnation and focusing on our mistakes and how bad people are in the world that we don't realize how empowering that our, our life and the love of God is on the inside of us to not only make changes in ourselves, but to make changes in other people. That's a sobering thought. And I said it, and you, you heard it, and you have to do something with it. You can choose to believe it or think, you know what, that guy's a nut. I'm just telling you what God said. He didn't desire that one would perish, but all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hmm? And I tell you, the people that come in in the last hour, there are a lot of people that are going to heaven that think they're not going to see a bunch of people there. They're going to be shocked when they get there. They came in in the last hour. They came in in seconds when they, their car hit a tree and as they're laying there, they're crying out to God and God accepts and receives them. Man, we serve a, an amazing, forgiving God. Amen? Yeah, and, and you remember, you remember this, this, uh, this covenant that we have with him, it's not, it's not unilateral, or, or the covenant that we have from him is not bilateral. It's not on equal grounds like we would with a human being. This is a God with everything, us having nothing. And when I accept it, I have it all. Woo! That's the God we have. That's what creates vision. I feel like, I feel like that vision is flowing into me and through me and around me like I've never had before. It's like coming from every direction. But it's because, listen, vision will just come to you. I mean, you need to be saying the same thing yourself. But, but, but not just vision that's coming from knowledge you have of other things, but vision that you have that's coming from word that's been preached. Now, I can't get off of that because I, I see so many people confused in their decisions and the things that they, make, that, that, that they do and the decisions and the quality decisions they make for, for, for their future. And I see them listening to a lot of people say of the world. And listen, I, I, I uh, resource myself with teachings from lots of different people. I, I read books by different leaders uh, that are not born again. But most of them, the truths that they have in their books, they got from the Bible. They, don't, they just don't know it, a lot of them. Or maybe they do know it, whatever. But I have to, I have to filter everything that I hear through what is growing in me in the form of revelation? If I don't filter it, I find myself making decisions that don't line up with God's plan for my life. And the worst place that you and I can be is out there doing something, trying to get God to bless it when he didn't tell me to do it. Wow. I'm just saying. No worse place to be on planet Earth. And yet, it's not that, it's not that hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's simple. But it isn't easy. But I'm telling you, it's simple. Yeah, but, Pastor, there's got to be more that I'm supposed to do than just hear the word preached. Yeah. Hear the word preached, develop your hearing from God, and then do what he says. Can a human being really hear from God and know that what they're doing is what God wants them to do. Yes, because he said we could. I said yes, because he said we could. And he said, three different places in the New Testament, that we, in so many words, should never make a decision based on our five physical senses ever. Your five physical senses may, they may support the decision that you make, but never make them based on what you see, how something appears to be, because there's a way that seems right to a man that the end is destruction. See, I'm talking the word. So you're not going to get other people to teach you that. This, that's why you need to hear it. And when you hear it, what are you doing with it? Are you daily learning to not, to not make quality decisions in life based on what you see and what you hear and how you feel? 
Because those, sensor, that, those senses will lead you astray, and, and yet they were created to be a good thing. Only if your senses and what your senses are telling you are filtered through the Word of God, through the redemptive revelation that has given you vision and is continuing to give you vision. Can you say amen to that? <clears throat> so, I want to read this verse, and then I'm going to finish today with one passage on covenant that I'm going to read. 1 John 3, and we read this last week in verse 19. And by this we know that we are of the truth. In other words, by this we know that we're doing the truth, that we know the truth and are doing it. And shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Why? He knows everything about everything. And condemnation is not from God. So when your heart condemns you, God's greater than your heart. Watch this. God, God uh, because he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You know, you know, okay, this is my opinion, all right? You don't have to take this at all, but this is my opinion. One of the greatest sources of condemnation today <clears throat> is self-examination or comparison. And, and, I mean, there's a lot of places to compare, but the greatest place to compare yourself is on social media. So you go on social media and you compare yourself to the next person and condemnation tries to set in because you're not as good as they are. Well, no, the truth is you're not as good as their post. You know what I decided a long time ago? I was never going to post something that made me look better than I really am. Where does that revelation of how good I am come from? So if I share something, it's because I believe in it, not because I'm trying to jab someone else. I'm not trying to jab someone else to make someone else look worse because of how great I am. I just tell you this today. <laughs> We're all a bunch of losers if we extract what the blood of Jesus has accomplished. But man, because of the blood? Whew, huh? Because of the blood of Jesus? I can do all things. I am all things. I can accomplish all things. I can do whatever he tells me to do. So I don't have to be a part of, all the, of a bunch of things that are failing in life. I can be a part of what he wants. And when does that start? Yeah, yeah, you're talking about things that failed. Hey, you want to you have a little round table, little discussion? I can share with you all the things that fa where I failed in my life, things that I've done that where I failed. I'm just done failing. I'm done. I'm done striving. I'm done trying to make something happen. Done working overtime. Remember, what we're talking about in the kingdom of God is easy and light. It's simple and light. It's not necessarily easy in the world's way of thinking because it takes dedication. But it's simple and light. It's not a heavy load. Anything that you're carrying that is heavy is not of God. Yeah, but no, no, you're not casting the care of that. I didn't say it didn't have the potential to be heavy. Man, there's a lot of things in my life that have the potential to be heavy. Can't carry it. Not wasting my time and ruining my physical body by trying to carry all those cares. And I'm definitely not going to let somebody on social media try to tell me that I'm something that I'm not. I'm not I won't do it. I refuse to do it. And I, I refuse to do that to somebody else more than the, the reverse. 
I refuse to do that to somebody else because I know who my God is. Whatever I ask, I receive. Why? Because I'm not condemned. I'm not condemned. I have confidence before God. And whatever I ask, I receive. <laughs> I mean, where can you get a promise like that anywhere else on planet Earth? Hmm? There'll be no job that you get where they can promise you that. So you don't want to take a job that he hadn't told you to take. There's no other place on the planet. You can't live anywhere else. No other city that's going to offer you some place of comfort or whatever or, or give you everything that you want. He said, whatever you ask, you'll receive. Why? Because you're developed. You have redemptive revelation. You have restraints in place. So your asking is based on what he wants and then he brings it to pass. Can you say amen to that? So I'm going to end this morning in Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read you these. A couple, um, there's a couple of definitions I have of covenant. I'm going to read these to you, and you can kind of just work them out. You, you'll, you'll remember these. Say, I'll remember. <clears throat> you'll remember these. So a covenant is a coming together of two or more parties agreeing on promises. A covenant is a coming together of two or more parties agreeing on promises. Um. Like I said earlier, in a human covenant or contract, because the word covenant means, it means contract, it means testament, it means an agreement that you're making with someone else. Two or more parties coming together, agreeing on promises, is what a covenant is. But if Fabian and I, if Fabian and I come into a covenant together on a specific thing, okay, and that becomes a bilateral covenant agreement where, okay, you know, maybe he has more money than I have or I have more money than him, but it's pretty close, you know, it, it's, it's close to being even, okay? A covenant with God is made with one party. A covenant with God is made with an individual person, and they come to a, to, together agreeing on the promises, and the thing about this covenant is not a bilateral, it's unilateral. It's, it's, it's God saying, this is the covenant. I have it all, you have nothing, and I'm giving you everything that I have. I'm giving you everything. Your job is to receive what I'm giving you. The Bible is our covenant book. There's a, there's a first covenant Old Testament that we know of, Second Covenant, New Testament. And in these testaments, these covenants are promises. Old Covenant, promises are not done away with, they were fulfilled. What does that mean? They were fulfilled and then now they don't count. Thou shall not murder. Well, we don't have to, that's Old Covenant, we don't have to stay by that anymore. No, it's been fulfilled. Now you're empowered to not murder. So when you're born again, Spirit of God's on the inside of you. You may have some bad days. You may be angry at some people. You're working through those things, but there's no murdering spirit inside of you. No, because the Spirit of God's in you. Did you hear what I said? No, they're not done away with. They're fulfilled. Now, all the promises of the book from Genesis to Revelation are ours if we choose to embrace them. How are you going to learn what those are? Two things. What's the first one? Church. What's the second one? preached word. You won't get it any other way. I've tried for 42 years to find other ways to kind of skim around that. You, you, you won't get there any other way. You think you will, and if you think you can, I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to save you some time. You, you can get mad at me or offended by it or whatever. I'm just trying to save you some time. If you think you can get there some other way, then go, go do it. But I'm telling you, you won't get there any other way because God set it up that way. And there's 
plethora of different scriptures and passages and truths in the Word that support that because he's building his church. And he can't build the church with people with unrenewed minds. He can only build the church with people that are discipled in the promises of God and in covenant relationship with God. And as that's being developed in your life, you're becoming a disciple that God can do something with in the kingdom of God. That's when your personal vision begins to evolve and happen because you're connected to his vision, which is what? What he's building, the church. Gates of the city is just part of what he's building in the earth. It's just a piece. If you're connected to gates of the city, I'm encouraging you, stay connected, believe in it like never before, serve in it like never before, give towards it like never before, be a part of it because you believe in it, okay? If you don't believe in it, do something else. Plain and simple. If you don't, I'm just talking about the way God sees it. You say, well, you know, pastor, that's that's not something that, you know, should be something that a pastor should say. Yeah, I should. If people walk through the door back here and you meet me for the first time in the foyer and you tell me that you're here for the first time and it was a great message and all those kind of things, you know, I'm glad to hear that. And I'll ask you, are you a part of another church? No, we're looking for a church. Well, we're praying that you're going to find the place that God wants you to be. We'd love for you to be here, but if it's not, this isn't where you're supposed to be, we're in agreement that you're going to find the place where you can be planted because when you're planted in the house, you'll flourish in the courts. What does that mean? When you're planted in the house, you'll flourish in everything else that you do. Oh, yeah. That's why it's not about me trying to get you to come to my church because it's not my church. I'm the under-shepherd. I take responsibility, the responsibility that God has given me in that office, but it's his church that he's building. We're overseers of it. Why would you be a part of something that you're not going to flourish in because you don't even believe in it. That's what real covenant relationship is. Amen? And ours with God is a unilateral covenant that is all established on the promises and those promises being fulfilled in our lives. Not just that I know the promises. And 40 years later, I've seen nothing come to pass. No. No but they evolve as I grow. As I grow in the Word, I'm confident in church, I'm confident in the preached Word, I'm doing something with it, I'm maturing and developing and evolving, the promises come to pass. That's the way it works. It's always worked that way, and it's not going to be any different. So, in, I'm just going to read this passage, and I want to look at one point, and I'll end with this today. It's found in Ephesians 5 and verse 22. Wives, submit you to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, also as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. Say this, say say this, this is a great mystery. Say it again. What is? A husband and a wife. And it is, it's still a great mystery. Paul said all that, used that as an example, husband and wife, and he said all that, and he says, but that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about, <clears throat> right? What, what, what is he talking about? But he said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one in particular love his wife and see that, he, that she respect her husband. I can't tell you how many 
weddings that I've done through the years where people said, well, you know, I don't want you to read that because that's just not relative to today. Okay? So we won't read about that. Yeah, because people will take it wrong. Yeah, because people don't understand it. And I understand that. And I'm, I honored people, whatever they wanted to do. But it's because people don't understand it. But, but listen, why do people not understand husband and wife relationships? Because they don't understand Jesus and his church. I'll say it like this. Every problem, I'll just, I'll just take my wife and I. I mean, today we're running on perfect juices. I mean, everything's going perfect in our marriage today. There's no problems, no issues. We haven't had any kind of disagreement in, a, in probably five or six years. Wow, you guys are like, come on. Let the ice break a little in here, right? <clears throat> no, 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 no. But, but she and I have an ongoing relationship and a connection because Jesus, our understanding of Jesus and the church has answered every issue we have ever had in our marriage. Every issue we've ever had in our marriage has been answered through Jesus and his church. Why? He's the husband. We're the bride. All you men in here say, I'm the bride. Okay? Sorry, but that's what he said. He called us all the bride. Right? He's the husband. He's the one in charge. We're the bride. Every issue in marriage is answered in understanding Jesus and his church. So what is that? It's redemptive revelation. It's vision. Where does it come from? Believing in the church, believing in the preached word, doing something with what you're hearing, causing you to evolve. But what is that? That's covenant. There's no stronger example of a covenant relationship that Jesus is sold out to, to his church, than what he created to be in a relationship between a husband and a wife. There's no stronger. There's nothing. I'll just say this. Every problem that you have in life, I don't care what it is, every problem that you have in life is already answered in you understanding the relationship between Jesus and his church. every answer or he's a liar and you know what's amazing about God is that he hasn't just chosen not to lie he can't lie all the things that he I just read in, in the Ephesian scripture he said that's a mystery and, and, and it still plagues a lot of people but I'm talking about Jesus in the church and when I understand, through the revelation of his word, remember the scripture we read earlier? The entrance of his word brings life and it brings understanding to the simple. So it brings understanding to every problem and issue that I have. Does that mean we don't help each other to work out problems? Absolutely not. Help somebody, but lead them to the word. Lead them to the understanding of what the preached word and the preached word delivered will produce in a person that accepts it and does something with it. Again, you are hearing me today. The preached word will not deliver your life. But the preached word will set you up to receive something that will change your life because I'm not the true teacher. Nobody else that preaches the word or teaches the word is the true teacher. I don't care how eloquent people are, how, how well they teach something, how they break every little thing down about the truth of the word of God, they're not the true teacher. The Holy Spirit is the true teacher. The Holy Spirit himself. But he takes the word preached and he reveals it to us and brings revelation to us that creates restraints in our life, that creates vision in our life, that cre creates these open doors of opportunity in our life. Why? Because we're not condemned in our soul. We're not condemned in our life, in our heart. 
We're, we're not feeling like because I made mistakes or I did this wrong or whatever and I can't repent, I can't apologize. Worst thing that a, that a human being can find themselves in is a place where they can't apologize for their actions. Because if you can't apologize and repent, then you're blaming. If you can't apologize and repent, you're blaming. God created you to be empowered to repent. It's something you should enjoy doing. It doesn't create weakness. It creates an open door. Because where there's no bitterness, there's no unforgiveness in your heart, there's no end to what God can accomplish and do. That's what I'm delivering and giving to you today. We're going to talk about one other little thing tonight just for a few minutes, but we're going to spend most of tonight laying hands on and praying for your visions. And I, I tell you, you say, yeah, Pastor, I'm just not sure. Well, just go pray today. I'm just not sure. I really don't have anything. Okay, just go pray. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe you go pray today and you, I, I want a dog. Write it down. Write it down. I, I want a dog. In 2020, I, I want a dog. I want this kind of dog. I, I don't know. I mean, just write it down. You don't think God does? If you want a dog, you don't think God's concerned about that? Absolutely. The smallest, simplest things God's concerned about in our life. Write it down and bring them back tonight. We're going to pray and we're going to believe that 2020 and the beginning of this decade into the rest of this, these next 10 years are the greatest years of your life. It doesn't mean without, without trials or trouble, right? When you fall into those places, if you're developing, if you're growing, if you're increasing, if you have redemptive revelation of God, that when you fall, find yourself in those times or places, you're overcoming because of who you know and who you trust and who you're confident in. Can you say amen? But you know what? I, I, I want to say this. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm, I'm going to read this to you. I wrote this down earlier. <clears throat> um, You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it tonight. I'm going to say it tonight. It's not going to fit. It's going to take too long. I'm, I'm going to give you this tonight. <laughs> now you got to come back because you got to get it tonight. I got something really good for you. It's really good. It's five words that I'm going to give you. But, I, you know, me, I can't give you five words and not explain them. So I got to explain them, so I'll explain them tonight. Okay? Just know this. My wife and I love you. We really do. We pray for you every single day, and we never miss because we can't. If we're going to preach this kind of stuff to you, you have to be prayed for. But we love you. Each and every one of you in this house, sitting in here today, we love you. But I'm telling you, I don't know if there is a a multiplication of how much more, if there's even a number of a multiplication of how much more God loves you and believes in you and has your back and your best interest and has your future. And he has vision inside of you. If you're born again, vision is already there and he wants it to come out his way. But it can only come through the word of God. Only, only. The word of God and revealed by the Holy Spirit. That's the way God set it up. Holy Spirit will reveal word preached. And that's what I'm believing for your 2020. Perfect and complete. No lack of anything. Can you say amen?